Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Samson Shulman, your host for the Hustle Sanctuary, and uh, glad to have you with us on our maiden voyage for the one, the only, Philip Daniel. This is numero uno. This is the very... This is the first one. Very first episode of the podcast. Can you believe that? Wow. Well, <laughs> I'm honored to be here. This is amazing. Dude, let me just catch my breath for a second. So here we go, Phil. Um, when did you first know you wanted to be an actor? That is a really interesting question. Um, really, really no. Not until I was about 26. Okay, take us through that. So I first discovered acting. Um, you know, it's so funny. My autobiography someday, if I write it, is I'm going to title my autobiography a cliche. An autobiography by Philip Daniel. Because <clears throat> I'm an only child. So I entertained myself by acting and, you know, creating, you know, music videos and my own stories and my own movies. And I grew up watching TV because my mom, you know, was a single working mom and she was working like sometimes 60, 70, 80 hours a week. So, you know, I mean, we're talking like bullet point by bullet point. Every story that you've heard from every like actor that's come up in Hollywood, I'm the living cliche. So... Um, nice. Someday I'll read a book called that, and it'll be everything that you guys already with, suspect to be true about actors. Were there any Tom Selleck references <laughs> then, by chance? Uh, no. No Tom Selleck. thought of that. No Tom Selleck references. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, when I was in high school was my first exposure to it, and it happened by accident. Um, I was in an advanced English course because I love to write and I love to read from a pretty young age. And we had the option of doing a, our final project either as a 20-page report mm -hmm. about the themes in Romeo and Juliet. Or for the first time, and this is like an experiment, she said, you can make your own multimedia project. Mm -hmm. So it had a report component, but the main part of it could be basically some kind of video presentation that did the same thing that the report would do. And I was so excited about that. So a friend of mine and I put together basically a reenactment of the play. And in that, I ended up playing six or seven different characters because it was just he and I and a girl who played Juliet. And he was Romeo. And I played every other character, like the priest and the, you know, Mercutio and all these other various characters that show up in Romeo and Juliet. And I played them all. And so then when we showed it after class, my English teacher pulled me aside and she said, so, I mean, have you ever thought about acting as a, you know, as, as anything? And I was like, what's acting? And I had no concept of acting being a thing that I, I, I knew what it was, it was, obviously, but I had never even, I didn't even realize that wow. that's what I was doing because huh. I was just having fun with it. Wow. And um, because of her, I went and auditioned the next fall for the school play and wound up being in every main stage production as Amazing. a lead in my high school and, and then graduated high school and went to New York and studied acting there and then went to film school to learn how to make movies so I could cast myself in them. And um, I graduated film school and I realized the way that the film business works is if I wanted, you know, now to start making headway mm -hmm. and get an industry job, mm -hmm. you're looking at six to 12 months minimum of an unpaid internship. Mm. So I was very frustrated. And so I just left, I left LA and I left Southern California and I uh, took a job working for a, a documentarian and a new thought author in Oregon. That's right. For three years. And I lived up there. And over those three years, I got to experience a lot. I grew a lot. And I went through it like 
the most painful, ridiculous, crazy. That's when story. we met each other. I yeah, think. that's yeah. right. When we met yeah. each other. Yeah. And it was like the worst breakup I've ever been through. Uh, again, also the most profound growth. Uh, we kind of see that as a as a theme in life. Always is. Uh, and I started asking myself some really important questions because of that breakup, and they were: What do I really want to do in my life? What am I about? Not just in terms of like my long term vision and my goals, but like day to day as a person. Kind of had that How Steve showing that up. Steve Jobs moment. Yeah, right? yeah. You know, this I'm not going to stand for this anymore. Yeah, kind of. You know, and. And I just wasn't fulfilled doing what I was doing up there. So it just, it really supported there's, me in asking some in questions that I believe everyone should ask themselves. Yeah, there's a saying like the gift of desperation, which oh, sometimes yeah. is very real. Oh my you God. It, it's, and it's true. It brings clarity and, yeah. and, and, and motivates like Break no other down sometimes. Yeah, leads to breakthrough. Breakthrough, yeah. exactly. So I went to see a movie. I was like, you know, living by myself and I was spending a lot of alone time, reading a lot of books, kind of exploring and I went to see the movie Across the Universe, which is a, a film by Julie Taymor, and it's basically set to all Beatles music, and she kind of tells a story through it. And uh, you either love it or you hate it. I personally loved it, and um, I was incredibly inspired. And I remember watching it for the third time in the theater, and I'm sitting there, like, you know, I was moved, and I'm, you know, I'm crying, you know, at the story and how beautiful the music is. And, and I just, I hear this, this voice, you know, we hear this voice inside of us sometimes that pushes us to do what we're meant to do. And the voice was why are you not doing that? Mm. Mm. And it was like loud for me, you know, and it set me on a path to look at coming back to acting in a really, you know, committed way, not just to like, oh, you know, I'm going to give this like a Like you never chased it before, basically. No, I never, yeah. I never had pursued it seriously right. before. And I think maybe like a lot of people in our generation, I don't want to speak for everybody, but I can certainly say for me, uh, I think I grew up with like this expectation that things were just going to happen. I, I know what hard work is, but you know, also, you know, we just, I think we grew up in a generation where so much is possible. There's so much happening. Um, and I grew up around in a very wealthy environment, even though we were not, mm. I grew up in a very, you know, affluent area, uh, because my mom, you know, busted her butt to make sure. What was that, that was like? What was that like for you growing up in an affluent area, but you know, not exactly having it was a really ton of money. Interesting. Yeah. It's well, up until the age of 10, I lived in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And at the time, Buffalo was incredibly economically depressed. Mm-hmm. There was not a lot of opportunity. Um, and, uh, you know, not, not to say anything disparaging about Buffalo because I love the city and my whole family's there. But there's somewhat of a smaller worldview there. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's, not, it's not anybody's fault. It's just, you know, the, it, it comes from a mindset of like your family's here. We're all in one place, you know, get a job, you know, kind of follow the very traditional track. Yeah. When I moved to Arizona when I was 10, you know, my mom, she constantly said like, you can do whatever you want in life. That was actually a question on my list yeah. was family support. Oh, yeah. And oh, my mom has always been that. There. She's always been that voice. You know, it was interesting having the experience in Buffalo and being around you know, kind of economic disparity, mm-hmm. not having a lot of money, not having a lot of resources, but having an amazing life. I mean, wonderful family. And, you know, we still did incredible stuff together. Uh, and then moving out to Scottsdale, Arizona when I was 10 yep. and being around, you know, when I was in high school, like kids driving BMWs, Audis, Mercedes, Land Rovers to school. Mm-hmm. You know, my first car was a $2,500 used Volvo that I'm pretty sure had been in a car fire. 
And you know, but it's interesting. <laughs> no, it's it's you really, know, and then there's these, these but it's it's all brand rel- new Mercedes. You know, it's all relative. Actually, just so, listen. Yeah. I just listened to Tony, Tony Robbins talk about how like the poverty in this country. We're the one percent to the rest of the world. Absolutely, I heard that same one. Yeah, no, yeah. So it's fascinating. You know, it, what it showed me though was that uh, it showed me more of what's possible. Do we we can. This is like a three-hour podcast. I, <laughs> no, feel, I like, feel like. I feel like we can talk gonna, for a long time. We're gonna go. <laughs> so, um, what does the word hustle mean to you? What does the word hustle mean to me? Um, it is. Um, do you know who Mastin Kip is? Yeah, the daily yeah, love, the daily right? Love. Yeah, but for so, those that are listening that don't know, yeah, the daily love, just just check it out. Okay. Thedailylove.com or Google Mastin Kip K I P P. He's an amazing individual, but he has this phrase that he says, "Take massive action." And hustle, I think, can sometimes have some negative connotations because it can it can sometimes be misconstrued as like that overly salesy, mm-hmm. you know, like oh, I just got to get mine and blah blah blah. I just, I look at hustle as, you know what? I am going to do every possible thing that I can to make. And then here's another one for you. I know you had some success in your band, The Vice Junkies, a few years ago. And you were juggling that with your acting career. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you have any other side hustles you would like to let our listening audience in on and talk about those for a minute? Um, Side hustles. That's a funny, (laughs) that's a a good term. Um, You know, right now I'm, I am pretty singularly focused on, on acting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I moved back in 2008, that was like kind of my commitment. And as you mentioned, like I was in, I was in a band called the vice junkies for about three years. Yeah. And when that opportunity came up, it wasn't that I let acting go. It was that there was, you know, those moments in life when you just feel the energy of opportunity. Yes. It was one of those. And I could feel that this was something that I needed to follow. The, the creative energy was there with my writing partner. And we had something that felt like it could really go somewhere. And it did. It started to. And then, you know, we had some. I can attest to that. I was yeah. at uh, several of your shows. Several, yeah, sh- several yeah, yeah. shows. And, yeah. you know, we, we won some contests and we had some really awesome feedback from, you know, uh, from people, you know, uh, everyday people and also people in the industry. Yep. Uh, with the music, which was great. And then, you know, sometimes, you know, as happens with bands, people just are not in it the same level of commitment. If you could do that whole thing over again, is there something you would change? I don't know that I could change anything. And I don't know that I would, because it was an awesome experience, even though it was incredibly disappointing when it went away. Yeah. Um, And when it didn't pan out how I would hope, Mm -hmm. you know, how I really wanted it to. I mean, like, we were like right at the point where the next thing to happen would be that we either get invited on a major tour or we get a big manager and we start like really Sign doing deal. some powerful yeah. things. Yeah. And, you know, it didn't, it didn't happen. I believe uh, deeply that everything happens or doesn't for a reason. Mm. And, um, you know, there are also some things that some inner band dynamics that weren't working that would have only been exacerbated um, if those opportunities. True. Yeah. So I choose and yeah. everything it's like the life, writing was on the wall. Yeah. In and a lot everything of ways in life is too. a choice. So yep. I was really bummed, but I look back on it now as it wasn't meant to happen. And, and it, it could have been very destructive mm. if we achieved more success mm. and certain 
problems were not worked out within the band would have been like it could a, have been a very bad like situation. a higher ledge to fall from almost right absolutely you know? <laughs> well you know when yeah. as you know because you, the work that you've done and you've worked at the you know the top levels of your industry and in music um you know the the higher the, the more you succeed the higher the stakes it's very true and we it's were getting true. to a point where the stakes were going to be raised yeah and you know you don't want to be on that train <laughs> with <laughs> If it has no brakes. People who, <laughs> who are not clear they want to be there. Yes. And people who don't have the ability to handle that because it's very yeah. stressful. Well, to me, yeah, when you say that, it's almost like, um, you know, if you're dating somebody and, you know, the writing's on the wall there, mm-hmm. you know, if you got married to that person, obviously, and yeah. had a kid, I mean, you can imagine yeah. the fallout would be greater. Sure. So that's kind of what you're saying yeah. to me. And, and I believe, you know, to that point, I believe that... <clears throat> I believe in everybody's greatest possibilities, you know? Yeah. Call me naive, call me an eternal optimist. That's fine. I don't care. But I believe in everybody's, you know, greatest possibilities. So I'm always in the back of my mind going, it is possible for things to turn around. Hmm. But I'm also a realist in that prove it. Right. Prove you want it. Yeah. Totally. And prove that you're on board with this. Totally. I mean, through, you through your actions. And right. Absolutely. And, and one of the things I've learned in my music career is you can't working with artists, you can't want it more for someone else than nope. they want it for themselves. Exactly. And I felt like that was. Yeah. Yeah. So. So we just take a deep breath and we let it go. That's right. And, and we, we move on to the next question. And we trust that <laughs> we trust that the universe has something even greater in store for us. 99.9. That's usually what happens. Yeah. So. Touch wood to that. Okay, but back to what you said. So at your focus on acting. So yep. the next question is, who has been your biggest acting inspiration and, and why? That is a tough question. There are about a thousand names flashing in my mind right now. Um, but because, be because a- you're going to ask me this question and you're going to make <laughs> me answer with one. Yes. Um, I will probably go with... Hold on, wait for it. Everybody, you still with us? You haven't tuned out of the podcast, you're right. <laughs> um... Tom Hanks, Jim Carrey, Chris Farley. You're bending the rules right now, but I Meryl love Street. every single one of them. So, <laughs> we'll let but, that but, slide. But to that point, the, the all of them share something in common. What's that? That's There's no one like them. Mm. They are unabashedly themselves. Mm. And that's what I'm gonna try. Oh, and Robin Williams. Of course. Wow. He's probably yeah. he was probably the first person. Robin. Wow. Was pro- I mean, like I I was like. I was weeping when, when he died. I was like so affected because he was such a influence and inspiration in my life. Uh, I think final answer, Robin Williams. There you go. All those other ones have been too, but, but, uh, man, his energy and, and his ability to be fully himself and, and really not, (laughs) yeah, really not care about what anybody else is thinking. No, but he was so great at being himself while being a character. Yeah. Which is an amazing feet for an actor but also on that note like he did have a bit of a dark a little bit a little bit of a shadow right and so i think that's that's an interesting point too with a lot of artists i think you you know that that can happen yeah have you read big magic by elizabeth gilbert no but i've heard about it you you need to listen you need to read that or listen or whatever you do i like audiobooks personally Uh, especially in la because i can listen to a book in like two drives in a car exactly (laughs) exactly Um, and one hike but but she she makes this amazing point in that book because she talks about how that dark side and the self-destructive nature that accompanies Mm. so many artists Mm -hmm. is really kind of a cop-out not to be insensitive 
because some people have real issues, but there are ways to deal with those issues. Like there are ways to manage many I mean, of those problems. But the problem is a lot of people kind of idolize the dark artists. You know, they go towards the drugs, they go towards yeah. the alcohol rather than going. Well, the media well, especially, that, yeah. The, that, that abuse, that addiction is actually not serving my art in any way. Right. But we have this kind of weird romanticized version in our in our, uh, our idea in our culture. Right. That right. A lot of artists think can they be creative without drugs? I know in the music world. Oh, yeah. Right? It's like, you know, so um, there's actually a lot of like one of the sort of talked about things, right? Is Jimi Hendrix yeah. stuff he was doing so avant-garde, right? Yeah. Could totally. he have done it without, you know, a truckload of acid? Well, he wouldn't have, no, he couldn't have done what he did without it, but he, right. but, but what's interesting is you get into a slippery slope with that. And because the assumption of that question is that he couldn't have done something equally as amazing without it. And you just don't, you don't believe and that don't to be true. That. No, I don't buy that. Okay. I, I mean, like, you look at the work of like, you look at the work of like Meryl Streep. Yeah. She's not tripping LSD <laughs> to like, you know, that's a good point do her next role like she's working maybe it's more her ass off maybe it's more that musicians point. that that maybe fall into that actually i think pound for pound i would say that it's a little more out of control in the music department because <clears throat> you don't have to read whole scripts and you know i mean you'll yeah. see musicians come out there and like butcher their own songs oh, because yeah. they're i lived it <laughs> I did. Exactly, yeah, man. I know exactly. So, but as an actor, I mean, you got to kind of have your game face on when you're reading a script and memorizing and all that stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, maybe but that, just more... that same behavior does happen. I'm sure. Sense. No, it does. I'm I mean, sure. Chris Farley is one of my favorites. Yeah. There you go. Dark yeah. side that got a hold of a great artist. Yeah. So, cool. Um, moving on to the next question here. Um, what's been your biggest career high? My biggest career high was I shot this... I shot this national campaign for a commercial last year mm -hmm. uh, for Metro PCS, and um, and commercials are a fun thing. I love doing commercials. Why they're, is that? Well, because they're very fast paced, and um, you know, generally you walk on the set, and there's like this vague idea of what people are going. Most of the time, you know, sometimes. People know exactly what they want. It's like, do, 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 you just got to do this, this, and this. But a lot of times it's very playful, you know, especially when you're doing a comedic spot because they just want to find the best, you know, they want to find the best joke, mm. you know. And this set was particularly playful. And I was working with this actor, uh, Brian Coffey, who's hysterical. And he's so talented. And we, you know, he plays the goofy. He plays the comic relief and I play the straight man. So I just get to react off of all his craziness. <laughs> and we just had so much fun, you know. And, and um, had you just met him for the first time yeah, on when, the shoot? I met him when I walked on set. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, and just that and the, the response from the director and the producer, mm. it was like this moment where I was like, okay, like I've been doing, I've been working at this for seven years now. Mm. And here I am on this set with, you know, professionals and, and I felt like I belonged. Mm. You know, I felt like I'm meant to be here. You know, and there's been a lot of my journey as an actor where I haven't felt that way. You know, I haven't felt worthy or I haven't felt prepared. Or Was it know. the inner critic or was it, you it know, was the inner critic, yeah. but it was also a knowing. You know, I think we know when we're not prepared or when we haven't done our homework. Yeah, for sure. And some people use that as an excuse to stay small. Mm -hmm. And I choose to go the other direction. 
I choose to use it to work harder. Love that. That's why you're on the podcast. Yeah. Want to set the example. Yeah. I mean, I just, I can't imagine giving into that voice. The scarier of the two options, like you said, you started with that quote, right? Yeah. The the biggest risk is to take no risk of all. Or, yeah, or the Gina Davis one. The Gina Davis. Uh, you know, for me, the scarier of the two paths is to never try. That to me is like the worst feeling wow. to fathom. Was it always that way for you? Really? Like from like Since day one? or that moment you... that I talked about yeah. after the breakup and I was kind of re-examining my life. That I, was when that quote I, really I did this exercise, saying, which right. I want. I want everybody on the podcast to do this exercise. Okay, here's what you do. And it's really, it's actually a really simple exercise, but if you allow it to be, it's really profound. Yeah. You want you to get out a piece of paper mm-hmm. and I want you to set aside a half an hour to mm-hmm. do this. Mm-hmm. And you, you write the following. You imagine the scene as if you are lying on your deathbed at the end of your life. And you write down all of the things that you want to have accomplished, all of the things that truly matter, not the trivial bullshit. Can I say that on a po- I can say that on a podcast, right? This one you can. Okay, good. Not the trivial BS. <laughs> not the stuff that really doesn't matter, but like we're talking like the things that if, if you really had to make the choice, this is what you're doing in your life. These are, the, these are the big things that you're going to see happen in your life. Those are the things you write down, the mm. things that really matter. And it, if you're a person who has difficulty deciding and, you, you know, we're so multifaceted, there's so, like, the one downside to right now in this point of history is, is that it? there's so much possible <laughs> yeah. that no one can decide. You get, you get frozen. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you have, yeah. a, you have paralysis because you're like, well, should I do this? Should I do that? And, you know, I mean, I've been, I've been there. That's yeah. But if I'm you so do glad this exercise, you're, you're touching on this. Film. Yeah, and yeah. if you do this exercise, I promise you, if you really commit to it and you really allow yourself to open up to it, the things that really matter mm-hmm. will emerge, and the things that you know that you need to let go of, that you know you really don't care about, that you know are really not top priority for you, will be very easy to let go at that mm. point. And for me, when I did this exercise. At that point in my life, I was pursuing music. Oh, wow. And when I realized that, no, you know what? At the end of my life, I want to look back on a career as an actor. Mm. I, don't, I don't care about fame. Success is how I define it, not how society defines it. Mm. But I want to look back on having lived my life for my craft and for creating art that touches people. That's amazing. And, and I knew at that moment, my heart was not in music the same way. Yeah. And it was scary, but I said, you know what? I get to let this go. Now, fast forward three years after I moved back to LA, then this band opportunity comes up. Yeah. And I had been working on building my career as an actor for three years. And at that moment, I knew, oh, this is interesting. Music has come back around. And now there's, there's energy there and there's opportunity there. And I'm going to follow it. And everything that I had learned as an actor informed how I approached the band. So it all came full circle. And it totally That's came awesome. full circle. That's and then awesome. vice versa. Then I was in the band and everything that I learned there informed I want acting. I want to touch on something because I asked the career high, right? Tell us about the career low real quick. There have been many. Okay, let's go with the number one, yeah. the most painful. I think it's important for people to like hear that. And then uh, how you bounce back from that, I think is important. Biggest career low. I don't know that I can pinpoint just one. There have been many jobs that I was really excited to book. Mm-hmm. 
and that I, and that I thought I did well, you know, and I, and I had good feedback and I, you know, was on a veil or, yeah. you know, I got a great callback and then just nothing pans out. And it's, I think it's rare that at least where I am in my career to have like a, a really crushing career low. Hmm. I, where I'm at, it's more about being able to manage the everyday lows because actors get rejected more in a year than most people do in their entire life. You know, it's, it's as much about managing rejection and not getting cynical and not mm. getting bitter and not shutting down and not saying, oh, this, you know, this industry's fucked and all this stuff as it is, as it is about staying inspired, you know? So what have you found that separates those two groups? I think that would be good for people to know, like the people that, right, that, that yeah. get jaded, right? And the people, the people that are people able to push who, through. You know, like, the, first yeah. of all, we're all human yeah. and everybody gets affected by it. Right. Um, the people who move through it in a productive way mm-hmm. are first and foremost committed to their craft. Mm. And, um, and they're finding ways to create and they're finding ways to be inspired on a regular basis. And I mean like weekly, daily, you know, they're, they're watching videos about acting. They're watching their favorite movies. They're doing research. They're writing a script. They're acting in plays or they're doing improv or they're whatever. And so by default, are you saying that people that don't really bounce back, maybe they're in it for the wrong reasons? No, I think I, you know, again, this is my eternal optimist. I, I don't, I think really in everyone's heart, if they really get in touch with the, the real reasons mm-hmm. that they do things, mm-hmm. they're, they're the right reasons. But it's easy to get swayed. You know, it's like the Le- LeBron James and the Kobe's, you know, out there. Yeah. We live in a celebrity culture. We live in a, this, right. you know, we idolize these particular ideas of success. Yeah. And you've got to have a very strong mental constitution when it comes to that and say, look, success is how I define it. Yeah. And, and how I personally define it is this is what I love to do. Mm. I love to act. I love to create. I love to learn about myself. First and foremost, as an actor, that's the number one thing that gets me so excited about it is that I get to learn more about myself Mm. and about others. It shapes you. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it informs me. I can't just read a script and then repeat the words and have it be a truthful performance. I have got and to dive into not only the character, but where this character resides in me. What's great about that is like the growth that sort of takes place on the journey, right? Yeah. Within you, that you retain like no matter what, I feel like. Yeah. You might get canceled on a series, right? You might, yeah. things might happen, but it's just, it's almost like a nice yeah. sort of pillow yeah. <laughs> to fall back on. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting because I've, I've always had this, this part of me for as long as I can remember where um, it was funny. I was talking about this with, with my girlfriend, Bryn, last night. Uh, I don't, I don't, I'm not a very judgmental person, but the thing I do judge is judgment mm. and cynicism. Mm. Mm. And so I get really like, I have this like internal, like really deep discomfort when someone gets really angry or cynical or judgmental that I just like, I want to like just repel it and I want to go in the opposite direction. And that that's for me too. When I'm feeling that, I just want to go, okay, something's out of alignment here. I need to get re-inspired. There's, the, you know, and I look at it as like, basically I'm believing something that's not true. Mm. Mm. You know, I'm believing something that is telling me a limitation. Hmm. You know, like for example, you hear this a lot in, in acting. Um, 
well, there's just too many of my type, so I'm never going to get cast. Mm, right. I'm well, not in acting, and I've heard that. You could believe that, mm-hmm. and that's not going to help you to feel inspired, to take action, to do what you can do. And it also is going to do something else. It's going to shut you down inside. Mm-hmm. And that is the worst thing that can happen because mm-hmm. have you ever met an actor who's shut down? Guess what? They're out of work. You can't be shut down and be an actor. You have mm-hmm. to be open. You have to be available. You have to be emotionally expressive and connected. Open. Yeah. But resilient. I mean, that's the number yeah. one word, man, is resiliency. Yeah. Let's switch it up and let's, let's, I'm going to ask a couple fun ones real quick. I love it. I like, love fun questions. These, have been, these have been boring <laughs> questions and really. <laughs> I feel like our boat is about to capsize right now. So no, I'm going to bring it back. No. Um, here we go. So tell, <laughs> tell us, um, are you a coffee or tea guy? What do you think? No, no, I know the answer. No, no, no. I want to know what the listeners, <laughs> listeners, I want you to take a moment to um, reply to uh, at the Hustle Sanctuary on Twitter. And you just, what do you guys think out there? Tea or coffee? We'll leave it up to the audience. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, TBD on that. Here and we go. I'll just tell you, I hate the taste of green tea. So that should give you some clue. <laughs> If you, if you think of uh, the, the cost of education to put your first kid through college, Phil has spent that on coffee since you've been in L.A.? Is, what is yeah, it? yeah, maybe probably. Something like that. Okay. All right. Um, tell us about your most horrific eating out experience in L.A. Oh, my God. My most horrific eating out experience. God, these are good questions. You really make me think. Um, about a year and a half ago, we got takeout from this restaurant down by LAX. Okay. I got a chicken Caesar wrap to go. And I was in the middle of doing this seminar and, uh, we were running late, so I didn't have time to eat it. So we put it, you know, off in the side room and we, you know, with all of our things yeah. and we, we did the, we finished the seminar, you know, three, four hours go by and I am starving. Cause now I haven't eaten since like 11 in the morning. It's like six or seven. Wow. So I go and I just scarf this thing down. And I wake up three hours later with the most violent food poisoning I've ever oh, had no. in my life. It was oh. terrible. Oh. It was absolutely terrible. So, and guys, it's not the chicken, it's the lettuce. This is what I learned. Oh. The bacteria on the lettuce. So just don't Completely ever, don't ever let hot food incubate, especially with lettuce Oof. in a to-go container and then think it's gonna be safe after more than like 45 minutes. What's horrible about that is, you know, how you were starving, you know, it's, uh, oh yeah, that makes it worse. On the upside, yeah. I did lose a few pounds. So, <laughs> no. you know, which as an actor is really helpful at times. You know, I was like, all right, I'm um, slimming down. See, I, I was never... hoping you would reveal some tricks, right? For maybe if there's actors listening, you just did. Yeah. There you go. Cool. I'm all um, learning. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Another thing being that this is the hustle sanctuary, yeah. right? So um, when the pressure starts to build, right, what are some of your go-tos to reset and balance? Oh, meditation. Really? Okay. Meditation. Right. Um, I'm a really big um, uh, visualizer. Every morning I wake up and, you know, some people think this is like super cheesy, but I'm telling you, um, give it a shot mm. and, and again, commit to it fully. Every morning I wake up, and I have it programmed into my phone. I wake up and the first thing it says is do your positive affirmations list about 50 mm. affirmations that I've written. Wow. That are, they're written to that part of me that doesn't believe that I'm 
always worthy. I'm always good enough. Wow. Uh, that, that cynic, you know, we all have that. We all have that inner cynic. And every morning I wake up and I go in the bathroom and I look in the mirror and I read this to myself. And it has a way of starting my day um, in a really awesome, magical place. Uh, you know, it sets me up to expect that the universe and life is on my side. And sets the tone. That good things yeah. are going to happen. And, and this is something that you do every morning ritualistically? Yeah. yeah. Every morning. It's like okay. the first five minutes. I jump out of bed. You right. know, I run to the bathroom, grab my phone. I read them off, you know? I think it's so important to, to do those things. But I think it's also worth mentioning that it's kind of like the gym. It's like, you know, if you go to the gym like once every yeah. week or once every two weeks, I don't think it's really going to do much for you. So no, I just think consistency is, and then you notice the results, right? Yeah. When the pressure right. starts to build. Yeah. I work, I work harder. Mm. Okay. That's um, great. And this is a theme that I've heard from people who are succeeding already in the industry. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a firm believer in, and, and Tony Robbins talks about this. If you, if you are committed to success, look, don't reinvent the wheel. Look at the, what the successful people are doing and learn from them. Mm. And many of the people who are, you know, who I've met and I've had the pleasure of, you know, knowing um, who are at the top of the industry, you know, they are some of the hardest working people that I've ever met. Even once they attain that, they're still working just as hard, right? Absolutely. You know, the people who blow us away every time, like the Merrill Streeps and the Tom Hanks, they work, they work incredibly hard at what they do. And for me, it's just, it's all about preparing. It's about, you know, the stakes get higher and the pressure mounts. You have got to be focused, you've got to be grounded, and you've got to have done your homework. For sure. But I think there's a misnomer. It's like when success hits, maybe like, you know, I'll, you know, chill more or go to an island or something like oh, that, yeah. you know. But really, that's kind of when the work really yeah. gets really intense, I yeah. feel like. Because then you just got more stuff coming at you, right? Yep, the so, work can get more intense. You know, you know, that's why I think it's so important <clears throat> to have, you know, to be grounded, to have a practice, you know, to meditate or go to church or whatever it is that gets you in that place of like, you What's know, the name of the podcast, Phil? The <laughs> Sanctuary. Thank you. Yeah. Um, exactly. You That's know, the I, idea. I, yes. A sanctuary. You want an inner sanctuary. Yes. Yes. I see what you're doing. Ah. <laughs> Way to be on brand. I like that. I like that. Um, Shamelessly yeah, no, it's, plugging. It's so important. Dude, yeah. Sam, you know, you know this. I mean, like we all go through really difficult times and we've been friends for years. So we've yeah. both seen each other through the ups and the downs. Yes. And, you know, when we're not in touch with that, that inner strength. Mm. And we're, we're not in touch, I think, also with th- that there's a, a larger force, whatever you, however you, you know, characterize that, whatever you call it, how source, you define it. everything, you know, yeah. Th- if you're not in touch with that, there's a larger force out there yes. that's on your side. Then those difficult times, it becomes really easy to go, why is this happening to me? What's going on? I can't deal with this. And for sure. Know, no, and it could be as simple as boiling down that force to intuition, really. Yeah. That's kind of like, you know, the distilled version, you yeah. know. And um, it's so important to follow that. Yeah. Um, so, okay, like, I know I have just a few more here. What's, what's the first thing you will buy once you make your first million? The first thing I'm going to do when I make my first million is pay off my student loans. Okay. Fair answer. And um, <clears throat> very, like... You know, he said blue collar, yeah. very responsible. Well, know. I just, you know, I, yeah. I have, yeah, I just want, I want them to be done. Um, that I, uh, if my parents owe anything on their houses, I want to pay off their Beautiful. houses for them. 
That's beautiful. Um, and I want to invest smartly. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of uh, having money that works for you. And that's something that Tony Robbins and a lot of other, like, you know, very smart investors talk about. Um, and that's something that I've always wanted to do. But, you know, one of my dreams in life is, is not to just do what I do, but also to be financially free so that I'm not dependent on, uh, you know, hours put in to, to, be have, to be having money come to me. Absolutely. Um, and so that's, that's a dream that I have. Um, have and, you then, and then I'll buy a house, you know, and, and, I'll, and I'll, you know, put some roots in the ground and, you know, I want to have a family someday. So, you know, making that first million it would be incredible. I'd love that. I love, love that, that idea. I love that. I second that. <laughs> yeah. Um, have you have you ever looked at your relationship to money? Has your relationship to money always been um, a healthy one? No. The, no. Okay. Good. But tell us about that. Well, you know, I grew up not having a lot of money. Right. And so when you grow up in that environment, when you do have money, you buy things that you enjoy. Right. Which is kind of counterintuitive. It is. You know. Yeah. Um, when you look at people who are are wealthy mm-hmm. they're often incredibly pragmatic and they have um they have a, a, a something in common and what they have in common is the ability to put off instant gratification mm. and so i kind of woke up with or grew up with the um that's instilled right with with yeah well i mean you I know because like you know i mean literally like we were living paycheck to paycheck yeah. almost my entire life you know, until, and then, and then I went into that because, you know, I was, you know, I have student loans and I, I got my first job when I was 14 and all but that. But no extravagance, you know what I mean? No, That's no, no saying. extravagance. Like, you know, yeah. like, Hey, we can go out to dinner right tonight. We have an extra $50. Let's go out to dinner. Right. You know, that was extravagance to, to us growing up. What about the scarcity element seemed like, you know, there was a little scarcity. It was paycheck yeah. to paycheck. And so what I'm, <clears throat> what I'm realizing in my own life is sometimes we will, Right. So we'll have this sort of subconscious tape going on, right? Within us about, you know, money or or whatever. Not just one. Oh, oh, many, many subconscious tapes, right? But this is an interesting, I guess I want to bring, you know, I'm bringing this up because I want to compare notes because, you know, I've realized recently, like I'll see somebody like in a brand new Bentley or something and I'll be like, that guy must be an asshole. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? That is the (laughs) thing that you get to redefine. Right. Right now that tells me something about you. That tells me that you equate wealth with the enemy. With the enemy. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. in other words, like, I feel like I could be blocking money of in my you're. life. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, if, that's, if that's how every time you see somebody of, <laughs> exactly. of wealth and prominence. Right. Now, yeah. let's not, let's not, you know, kid ourselves. Are there wealthy people that are assholes? Yes. Are there poor people that are assholes? Yes. Good point. So, you can't equate one with the other. It, you know, I choose to look at examples. And again, everything in life is a choice. I choose to look at examples in life of where I want to go. Bill Gates mm. is, mm. you know, the I think the world's richest man still. Yeah, and he does more the biggest philanthropic work than ever. anyone yeah. in history. Yeah, that's my model. You don't look at Donald Trump. I definitely don't look at Donald Trump. <laughs> I know what I'm saying. The, the least amount of possible, to, you know, like I mean, you can't avoid looking at him because every time you turn on a TV or the news, right. that's all that's on there. But yeah, I mean, you know, look, I don't want to hate on Donald Trump either because he's very right. successful in his own right and. You know, he has every right to say what he, you know, he wants to say. I don't agree with this It's stuff, just two different blueprints is what we're saying. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And I want to look at people all. who inspire yeah. me. Right. And I don't want to hate on the people who don't, but I just don't pay attention to them. Right. I agree with that. But yeah, that you know, I, the one thing I will say, uh, because you opened up this question of like, you know, your relationship but, to money. Yeah. Um, 
the one thing that I think this sets me aside from not all, but many people in my industry and where I'm at in my career and just who I am in my life, I am a committed learner mm. and I'm committed to not just learning about things in my craft and all that stuff, but I'm committed to learning about myself. And I think I'm a firm believer in that, you know, uh, personal growth and transformation is the best thing that you can do for your career, but also the best thing you can do for your life as a whole period. Yeah. The way that I'll like sort of say that impacted me was it's like going, going out there basically into a fight with like, you know, one arm tied behind your back Mm -hmm. and you're not even realizing you have an arm tied behind your back. I mean, that's really what it is, you know? Exactly. And um, so it's really powerful stuff. And And it builds on those tools of going, wow, this is, this I can now see is what I'm believing. Like, the guy in the Bentley is an asshole. Like that's a belief that I hold. It just sounds funny. And then you just ask the question. It's not like that belief is wrong. It's just a belief. I could be right about that. That's the funny thing. (laughs) Yeah. But then you ask the next question, which is, does that belief serve me? Right. And probably not. The answer is no. Even if you're right. Yeah. Because how are you then going to treat that guy? If you're believing all rich people are an asshole. Right. Exactly. And then who's the asshole? I'm holding up my hand, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Sam's right. the asshole. <laughs> I'm the asshole. No, but you, you, you get it, right? No, it's great. I think this is all great. Um, okay, here. Uh, what else? What does the word service mean to you? Yeah, I can just hear the groans coming from certain people. But like my acting is a service. I don't look at it as a selfish pursuit. Some people go, well, actors are all selfish. You know, mm-hmm. artists are selfish. Musicians are selfish. They're just in and it And again, it's like the Bentley thing. There yeah. certainly are a handful, yeah. I'm sure, you know. I'm not in yeah. it for me. I'm in it because I have been touched so deeply by art. There you go. There you go. In my life. There you go. Profoundly. That I you am committed to creating and giving that back to other, that's beautiful. To other people. That's beautiful, man. That's actually, yeah, it's funny, man. I, dude. That's what made me want to get into music was I knew the effects that music had yeah. on me growing up and to be in a position to bring great artists, right? Yeah. And to like help give that back. Yeah. You know, your intentions are in the right place. Yeah. Yeah. So that's great. That's great stuff. Um, let's see. Um, let's touch on real quick. What's been the biggest highlight of 2016 for you so far? I know, a few months. Oh my gosh. This year has been amazing in that I have auditioned more this year than I have ever in my career. Amazing. I mean, I've, so far you've already yeah. beat out the rest of the years and you're only so a third auditions. of the way in it. I've auditioned for, you know, TV shows and a ton of commercials and films and pilots. And, and, you know, that's really where you want to be as an actor. I know you've been through many cycles in your career where you're just like, you're going, you're going, you're going, you know, you're doing everything. And like, yeah. that's such a it's, straight it's, jacket. You can't maintain that 24 <laughs> seven you know, 365 days a year, but it's an amazing place to be. And it's awesome to know that you can tap into that. Absolutely. Absolutely. On that note, on the advice note, what advice would you give to like the up, up, you know, and coming actor that's maybe listening to this podcast? Um, I would say, and this is my opinion. Some people differ. Mm -hmm. Um, but the first thing I would say is don't kid yourself. If you're only in it to try it, like, then just try it. Then just do community theater, mm. you know, do improv, have fun with it. Mm. If you're committed to it as a career, then I want you to know a few things. One, get rid of all your expectations and timelines. Mm. 
be in it for your craft, not for success. Um, and please, for the love of God, do a couple of things. One, get into an acting class at a studio with a teacher who speaks to you, who really gets to the heart of you and understands you and who challenges you. Mm-hmm. Um, and be there consistently. Mm. You know, if you're a bodybuilder, you're in the gym five, six, seven days a week. If you're an actor, you need to be acting five, six, seven days a week. For some people, that's class. For some people, it's plays. For some people, it's on TV. But whatever it is, you need to be acting all the time. You can't just, you cannot just like, you know, I'm sorry, I hate to say it. You can't just graduate with a a degree in theater and move out to LA and expect to be cast. You have got to be actively pursuing your own education all the time and getting better and being committed because when you get onto a set and if you haven't done that work, I believe, and I've seen it happen to friends and other people that Mm -hmm. I know in the industry, you get into a position where you have a tremendous amount of opportunity and pressure. Yeah. And you haven't done your homework and you don't have the foundation of like, this is what it takes. I've been acting. Then guess what? The nerves take over and you self-sabotage because you know you're not prepared. And then you kick yourself. And then you beat yourself <laughs> up. And then yeah. hopefully, yeah. you know, but like that happens sometimes. And then guess what? If, if that's happened to you, yeah. guess what? I'm going to be, I'm going to give you some tough love right now. Get over it. Get back in the game because you're worth it. Okay. So we'll wrap it up on a light note right now. Okay. Here we go. Um, <laughs> you've just, you've just booked a part. Yep. Opposite George Clooney. Yes. What is the first George. thing you say to him your first day on set? Sup. <laughs> I think uh, I think that's pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can go to the next one. You've just booked a part opposite Carrot Top. What is the first thing you say to him your first day on set? Nice to meet you. Who are you again? <laughs> oh, I don't know you. That was mean. No, you know, uh, no, we, all no. love, we all know and love Kara Top. He's probably laughing. He's a brought bit. a lot of joy. You know, I wouldn't say that to him honest. because that dude is jacked. <laughs> I just remembered that. He is like, he would beat my ass if I said that to him. No, you know what? I um, I have tremendous respect for anyone who's who's made a career. And so I would I would probably be like, hey, what's up, man? You know, how you doing? What do you, you know? He was like the prop king, right? He did, yeah. He, what's yeah. your latest prop, guy? Exactly. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. And then, of course, since you're, you know, an actor, yeah. I have to bring it home with the James Limpton. The James. Oh, yes, questions, the James. right? So that had to happen. What so would you what, yeah. I'm not going to do the accent, but, you know, people can imagine the accent. Uh, what is your favorite word? Word, period. That, these are James Lipton questions, man. Verbatim. My favorite word. Amazing. All right. What is your least favorite word? No. It's good. What turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? All three, playfulness. Playfulness and the ability to not take oneself too seriously. What turns you off creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Conservatism. Mm. In the sense of holding back, being stingy, not, uh, not sharing, not being generous. Great. What sound or noise do you love? Mmm. 
Was that too? That too sexy. That was too sexy. Wasn't this it? is this is a PG <laughs> podcast, Phil. And you you can take the, that noise out if you want. I was, think, I was thinking of donuts. <laughs> okay, not turtles. That that's an inside thing for your birthday. Turtles. <laughs> All right. Uh, what sound or noise do you hate? <sighs> I really hate that too. <sighs> <laughs> that that's a little like the Napoleon Dynamite yeah. trademark, isn't it? Okay. Yeah. Uh, what is your favorite curse word? Fuck. <laughs> That's probably yeah. Yeah, I could have guessed. It's just so it says so much. So many yeah, so many options. Um, I mean, it's it's so versatile. Yes, is what exactly. I'm at. Yeah, and it's, it can be fun or it can be you know it can be so many things. Um, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Probably a, a motivational speaker of some kind. Beautiful. Um, what profession would you not like to do? A prison guard. <laughs> what is it? Can, can I'm gonna, this is different than Lipton does it, but yeah, what, what is it specifically about the prison guard thing? Which, well, yeah. you see the worst of the worst of every facet of human beings in society. Mm. And there's no way that doesn't seep into your perspective of the world. That's true. Much more serious yeah. of an answer than I thought. Okay. And if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Welcome home. Nice. On that note, yeah. bring it in. Uh, let's let's give everybody, thank you so much yeah, for being you. the first guest on the show. This is awesome, man. Dude. Um, I'll come back bring anytime. Bring it in. Lots of love to you. I don't have a lot going you. on because I'm an out-of-work actor. So <laughs> anytime. It's just like, great, you know, just... Uh, <laughs> Couple hours, yeah, I'm good. No, no, this is this has been great. <laughs> Give us your socials real quick. We'll do that. Oh thing sure, really uh, quick I'm now. on Twitter. Actually, Twitter and Instagram are both at Philly Two L S P H I L L Y Number Two Letter L Letter S, and uh, Facebook forward slash actor Philip Daniel. There you go. And being that this is the first episode, we'll make sure the one person who hears this, yeah. we'll, we'll make sure to visit you. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I think this is going to have hundreds of downloads out of the gate. That's what I love that. I love that. Anything is possible. I mean, as, I'm going to be promoting it and at least my mom will listen to it. So, that's times. the crazy thing about today, right? Social media, you never know what's going to happen. So it's a beautiful thing. Thank you for joining us. Anytime, bud. Lots of love. Keep coming back, everybody. Yeah, love you, brother. Thank you. All right. Walking on a dream.